The Light Breakfast with Asha and Nan, brought to you by Maybank. Today in Office of the Future, we are talking to Angela Carson, a woman who became a digital nomad in her 40s. Angela, you've explored 37 countries um, all before you turned 20, both traveling and working. Where did that love of travel come from? Yeah, my father was a an employee of United Airlines. So from the time I was two weeks old, I actually had my first flight. Wow. And dad used to take us on trips. It was all domestic until I started adventuring at around 21 outside of the U.S. But it was, I think, I think it was dad who started me on this path. Oh, born to live on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> and my first flight, I actually sat on Tina Turner's lap. What? Yeah, this was the 70s. I was born in 1970. And in the 70s, when you were an employee, you just wrote a ticket at the gate and oh. you flew first class. And so we were in first class. Tina Turner was in first class. And my dad is very, he was very charming. Mm-hmm. So apparently, yeah, he just passed me over and started talking to <laughs> Tina. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, you, you took the leap and then you became a, a digital nomad in your mid forties uh, when most people would have preferred a, a stable job leading up to their retirement. So what inspired you to make that decision? Yeah, that's that was a that was a tough one to make. Um, I had started my career in my twenties with a California startup, and I worked in marketing, communications, and branding, and I worked my way up over the years. And when I was forty six, I moved to Kuala Lumpur <laughs> for a chief marketing officer job with a fintech company, a local startup. And it was a nightmare. It was not anything I dreamed of. We, it was, it was just, it was tough going into work. I didn't want to be at work. It was long days. It was bosses who had a management style that was very different to my own. And it made, I was just living, I was living and not enjoying my life. I was a chief marketing officer. So I had climbed as high as I was going to climb for all intents and purposes. And the job didn't work out. And I sat around for a while trying to find another job. But salaries in, in Malaysia, they, they aren't like the global expat salary mm-hmm. range. And so I just decided, you know what? I'm sitting here in my apartment day after day trying to find a job. I'm just going to get a client roster, go explore. And I made, the, I, I made a conscious decision. I let my lease go. I put a few things in storage, but I packed up one suitcase, one camera bag, (laughs) and one like overnighter. And that was it. I took off. And since that was in 2016. And it was such a great decision. I, I don't regret that at all. So let me get this straight. At 46, you, how long did you stick it out in that job for? It lasted about three months. Okay, so after three months, you're like, that's it, done and dusted. Um, I'm going to start up my own company. Is that what you did? Start up your own company and then kind of just pack a bag and leave? Yeah, it was slightly more illegal than that, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Illegal, tell us more. (laughs) Yeah, so those early years of being a digital nomad, I wasn't, uh, I didn't set up a company. I... And I had left my bank account in Hong Kong when I, I had closed my account in Hong Kong when I moved to Kuala Lumpur thinking, okay, well, 
get a bank account as soon as my visa comes. And then the job didn't work out and they revoked my visa. Like they formally wrote a letter to the government mm. saying she does not work for us. So that meant I was not able to get a local bank account. And so it turned into a really tricky situation because there was four years where I didn't have a company. I didn't have a bank account. So I was kind of dealing with PayPal. Mm. I was living like a very digital existence okay. on on levels I didn't want to be. But basically, I, I started in a way that was very irresponsible. This isn't how I would recommend to anyone to become a digital nomad, how I did. Okay. Wow. So where was the first place you went to? I was in Malaysia for about three months. Um, traveling around, I went to Sarawak, I, I traveled to different places. And then I I went to Singapore. <laughs> okay. And I was in Singapore for a bit, went up to Thailand as well. And I spent about three months on Bali. Okay. And that was that was wonderful. Paint us a picture about the best place you've traveled to that you've actually also worked at. Pakistan, if you can believe it. Oh, interesting. Mm. Tell us. When the pandemic hit, I was living in Indonesia and I actually had a visa through one of my di digital nomad clients. It was a hotel and it was it was friends and they graciously offered to give me a visa. So I had some stability. I could get a bank account. Mm. It was like 2019 was a banner year because it was my first bank account since 2016. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when the pandemic hit, the hotel closed. And so there was no justification for renewing my visa. And so I needed to leave because Indonesia is very strict. If you overstay your visa, you are paying hefty fees day after day. Mm -hmm. And I have a US passport. The only countries that were allowing people in were Dubai or allowing Americans in was Dubai and Pakistan. And so another client here in Malaysia offered to facilitate my visa. And when we applied for that, it was during the pandemic and the the, the offices here were just overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. So the visa was taking what normally is a few weeks, months to do. So I headed over to Pakistan. I had this great 50 day plan. I was just gonna work a bit and have some fun exploring what Condé Nast Traveler had called the 2020 destination of the year. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yes, okay, I'm on board. And then I fell in love with Pakistan and I was able to work and travel and explore and shoot videos for my YouTube channel for a year. Mm -hmm. And I had the best time. And, and then it started to get a little bit more difficult. They, they thought I was a CIA deep cover operative. <laughs> <laughs> okay, were well, you um, being tailed then? <laughs> I was being tailed. Everybody in my orbit was being investigated and interrogated. Even GMs of hotels where I had stayed. Wow. My um, so it just got too difficult. So uh, we reapplied for my Malaysia visa, and I've rolled up here now um, in January. Okay. okay. Wow, you left your mark in Pakistan, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I shot so many videos. I had, I really had a lot of fun. It's, it's very different to what the Western media mm. has made us all believe. That mm -hmm. Pakistan is it's a very welcoming country okay I think a lot of people when you say digital nomad uh, they immediately think that it is it's difficult so we have to ask for someone who is what has been the hardest part of being a digital nomad for you 
the hardest part are well one is like sentimental it, it's when you're far away from family and friends it's it's not so much that distance because you get used to the distance but when things aren't quite right with someone that you love um it's very hard to mend fences and in today's digital like communication society um, it's very easy for people to ignore you when they don't want to communicate with you as well. So those kind of hurts are quite difficult. Mm. Um, I think it's also challenging to have to do visa runs um, because there aren't very many countries that offer a digital nomad visa. There, there are right. a few. Malaysia's even considering it, mm. um, I read. Mm -hmm. But those those are very challenging things. And and the not having a bank account in certain countries or if your bank card, you, something happens yeah, with your yeah. card, that's, but those are travel woes as well. It's not very specific to being a digital nomad. So I suppose basically for, for all intents and purposes, you're having to travel as a tourist, but then because you're having to work, um, that sort of gets disrupted somehow, not in a good way. You're definitely traveling on a tourist visa for the most part. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's exactly like that. I knew I was going to be speaking to you. I, I started looking through old articles I've written and, and remembering those first mm. moments when I was out as a digital nomad. And I ran across this list of three things that I knew were true about being a digital nomad or location independent. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I'd share that if, yeah. if that sounds good. Okay, good. Yes, so digital nomads, they definitely have mad skills. Like you can't head out into the world and live that kind of lifestyle if you don't know how you're going to support yourself. Mm. So those mad skills could be anything from being a bookkeeper to a coder, an editor, a designer, or an online whatever thing you can do. You know, even selling consumer goods um, can can be that. Mm -hmm. They're also hustlers. Number two was they're hustlers. Um, in a nutshell, that means that they know how to package up those mad skills and pitch them. And it sounds really simple, but most of us aren't very good at marketing ourselves. Um, even as someone who is in marketing, I have an easier time doing it for my clients than mm. like humbly and graciously doing it for myself. And mm. you, you don't, you want to articulate how awesome you are without seeming arrogant. Yeah. And that can be a challenge. And then the third thing was you have to have a client roster. Unless you have one client that absolutely is like your ride or die and is never going to leave you, you can't put all of your eggs in one basket. Mm. You need to have clients that if they leave you, you have others supporting you. So I, I think that those are the like the three things that you know every digital nomad has to have. Ooh. If we wanted to become digital nomads, what would be the best way to start uh, barring losing your visa? Okay, yeah, <laughs> that, that, is, that is important not to do. So I would say that you have to consciously put a plan together. Un unless you are sitting on a, a pretty nice nest egg and can support yourself for about a year, I would say that you need to build up that client roster. And once you have it to a level, I, I would say, I don't know, but I'm trying to think maybe around 2,500, 3,000 ringgit per month. Depending on what country you're in, you can live very inexpensively. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, I would say that if you want to be a digital nomad, you need to get your client roster up, 
you need to put your your affairs in order more or less and get down to one suitcase and one bag mm. that you you don't want to travel heavy and you definitely want enough so that you don't feel scrappy all the time right because it's it, depending on how you're going to travel and how you're going to do it if I mean, there's there's very posh ways to do it where you have a, a one month lease mm. at a really nice Airbnb and like Chiang Mai, or it, there's also very scrappy ways to do it um, that are less expensive. But those can also be a bit fraught with uh, mm. just not the security level mm, in in yeah. certain scenarios isn't always as nice. Right. I suppose this is going to be a very mean question, <laughs> but oh, if, you, if you couldn't travel anymore and had to choose one place to settle down in, where would it be and why? Okay, actually, that's not a mean question. <laughs> um, I've, I've lived in nine countries now, um, Spain, Mexico, India, Hong Kong, China, Indonesia, Malaysia, Pakistan. Barcelona and Kuala Lumpur are the only two cities I've ever lived in twice. And Barcelona was my home for 12 years. It's where my daughter was born. I love Barcelona. But for me, Kuala Lumpur is the city that is most vibrant. I prefer being in Asia to Europe or the US. And Kuala Lumpur is the most amazing home base. I realize we're in Malaysia and you probably like a more exotic answer to that. <laughs> but I think Southeast Asia is just an amazing place to be a digital nomad. And there's so many ways to be happy in this world. But being a digital nomad, if you're not happy and you want to escape the day-to-day -day or you feel tethered to a life that isn't as fulfilling, there's, there's so many reasons to step out and a million ways to be happy and a digital nomad is a really exciting one. It definitely sounds like it. You sold me on it. I think I might have to wait a couple of years till the kid has properly grown up before I do that. Do it before he does it. Anyway, thank you so much, Angela. You can listen to this interview again on the Light Breakfast podcast. That's on the Shock app.